Welcome back to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Tuesday afternoon, 10 minutes past 2 o'clock, and we're joined by the wonderful Andrew Dambina. Andrew, it's great to speak to you. How are you today? I'm very well. It's another sunny one, Noreen. I'm just, I'm just telling you that because you haven't got a window, so I'm just telling you <laughs> what the, the, if you did have one. Well, imagine a blue sky out of that imaginary window of yours. <laughs> I would cry, but it's a cold tin heart. I've been I've been in the Admiralty studio for so long now. It doesn't affect me. I'm I'm immune to it. I don't care about okay. sunny days anymore. Okay. Okay. But are you enjoying Today's this? Nothing. <laughs> are you enjoying yeah. today so far? Yeah, a busy old day, uh, Noreen. But been very interesting uh, um, finding out a bit of uh, what's been going on. You know, last last week we spoke about um, restaurants going back into gear, and I didn't think. There's no point speaking about that today, I thought, because it's really, it's great news. Fingers crossed that the COVID numbers will remain, um, you know, not, they seem to be fluctuating around 10 or 12, if you don't count people getting off a plane and bringing it into Hong Kong. So it's, um, yeah, that, that seems pretty good. You know, just hope, I'm sure we all hope that there's not going to be any delayed surge after Chinese New Year gatherings that will have definitely happened. That's so right. Fingers crossed on that. Have you been yeah. out? Have you been out yet for, for for a meal? Have you been to any restaurants in the uh, evening right. sit-ins? Now, yeah, I spoke about that last week, didn't I? And my my I thought that there was a, there was a family a Dembina family plan the very next day lunchtime to meet my son's girlfriend um, over over yeah that's right. Over, and I can't believe you're, you're a, saying this on air. Your 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 son's going to kill you. I'm going to take that clip and I'm going to send it to him. <laughs> you go post it publicly somewhere that, and then tag him. <laughs> but it but it's um, yeah. So I thought we were going to go to a um, uh, a dim sum place, um, but because um, my wife was a little bit worried about whether everyone would. Um, have the uh, the going out app or how it would work, and we didn't want to do that and sign our details down on paper. Um, she decided um, to uh, have something at home instead. Oh, so that's that, nice. That didn't, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I would ask so you how it went, um, but perhaps that's a, a topic for, yeah. for a private conversation. But uh, since you didn't go out, I, I went out. Did I, you? I did. I went out. On a date with uh, Radio 3's lovely Alison Howe. We went out on Friday, uh, sorry, on Thursday. Was it Thursday or Friday? Oh, Gosh, the, first, oh. the first night was Thursday. Was it I, that night? That's right. It was the Thursday. That's right. I went out on the Thursday, yeah. on the first night. Um, you, you, um, well, I'm, I'm at QGO at the Queensway Government offices, so yeah. right below us is the Pacific Place. So we went to one of the restaurants there, um, and I was surprised to see that it was pretty empty. I think we were mm. one of four tables and the restaurant is quite a big one. I'd say, that, you know, over 20, 30 tables. We're one of four. And we had yeah. dinner at, you know, at prime time. We, we went at 7.30. Um, and, yeah, mm. that, was, that was that. The meal was great. But I was just expecting uh, more people and expecting right. more of a vibe. But people, I guess, were still a bit worried on the very first day. I, or maybe I, I they heard. didn't realize it was, it was already opened on that day because I think we were maybe. confused. We, we thought maybe it came into effect midnight on Thursday and maybe people would go on Friday. Um, uh, but, could be. yeah, I, I don't know. It could be, actually. The, the, the point about midnight, I'd heard that mentioned as well. I was wondering the same thing. I wasn't sure whether it came in on Thursday at midnight or whether it was... I don't know. That was a little bit of confusion. When um, when when it was on... Uh, when Backchat held a, uh, uh, a main topic on restaurants going back into action after the relaxation of the rules, 
um, I heard um, that one of the guests was the head of the Grappers group, JR, John oh, yeah. Robertson, as it sounds like. Yeah, it was and, yesterday's and he, Was it? Oh, I thought it was longer ago. Okay, it was only yesterday. Wow. Was it yesterday? Time's going slowly. I think so, yeah, it was with but, Mike Rouse. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but I, I, I think he was saying the same as you, that uh, that on the first night he was, uh, you know, expecting it to be a bit more... Um, Full of people, and it wasn't. So, not sure what the reason was. But did you did you use the app, or did you um, did you have to sign details somewhere else? Or? When we um, went last Thursday, um, it wasn't mandatory. Yeah. I think it came into effect uh, yesterday. I think. Oh, I'm oh. not sure when it came to effect. Um, but um, Hugh's uh, our studio producer this afternoon, so he's probably listening. But just for the record, do you listen to Backchat more or the One Two Three Show more? Just which is just out of the two. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, 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 it's a loaded question, that Noreen, isn't it? What do I say, listener? Listener, help me out. But it's no. I, I listen. I listen to both because um, if I'm working at home, which I'm doing most of the time these days, I will have lunch and listen to your show while I'm eating. Like I just, I was glad that you posed the question just now um, with your um, nutritionist about. Um, what about those people with cholesterol problems? Because I was thinking it. I nearly sent you a message to say, because that's me, cholesterol problems. I thought of you, and Andrew, but I didn't name <laughs> any names. <laughs> right, OK. Thank you. Thanks, because I was literally going to send you a message to ask that question about whether you can have those kind of high-fatty things on a keto diet. Anyway, it was well answered. So um, I, was, I was pleased with that. So there you go. That's my proof that I listened to your programme or at least listened to some of it today. But I do... I mean, I do listen to Backchat. Um, most of the topics uh, um, for the last couple of years in particular have been, there's been so much happening in Hong Kong that it's been quite a go-to listen. As yours is for lifestyle, Noreen. Thank you. And, right, um... so let's crack on with today's Tuesday. <laughs> you, you sent me a couple of interesting pictures, again, with, yeah. with no explanation, and we're going to talk course. about Why that. Why would that be? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, yeah. Well, the first, the first picture that I sent Noreen, listener, was of two radishes now ignore the fact that they've got eye, eyes a pair of eyes in sticker form on each of them but um the reason is that um there was an, a food opinion piece published in the hong kong free press this weekend that just passed and the columnist in question asked um how hong kong farmers can bring about positive change in terms of trying to do a bit more for growing local vegetables and uh, maybe fruit too, but he was talking mostly about vegetables. He was prompted by um, something that had happened to be launched just at uh, Lunar New Year time. So we've talked about this before, um, the pesticide-free organic produce that's grown in Hong Kong. You know, it's quite expensive, obviously, because it takes a lot of work to do it without cheap chemical sprays to keep uh, pests off. And... Um, we, 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 you know, there's, there's, we know that there's very little farming done in Hong Kong. I know uh, from some rural pockets of Hong Kong that uh, the, the stuff that goes on, which is hardly anything, is, um, is, seems to be more with chemical pesticides than without. But a group of farmers got together in November, at the end of last year, to uh, start a new initiative to get together and put together their crops of um, daikon, Radishes. Last week we were talking about lobak go, the turnip cakes. Now they're called turnip cakes, but actually they're made with radishes. But 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 the term turnip cake has been coined for many years. Not sure why, but it's daikon radishes, and they got together to grow a crop of these. They shared them all, and they took them to um, a a restaurant or two to make some lobak go, which were then sold 
for us to make the turnip cake, as it, as it is called in English, by the way. I looked this up before we spoke today. Yeah, I was going to say, aren't they the same thing? You've just given me some brand new information. So they're called turnip cakes, but they're made with yeah. radish. And radish and turnip, yeah. I thought they were just interchangeable names of the same. No. No, they're, they're, they're made from something which is, um, I mean, in English its common name is daikon radish, which is a Japanese name because they're really popular, more popular in Japan than uh, other parts of Asia. They are an Asian type of radish, so any, any listener that thinks, uh, that's wondering if they're, if, if they're pondering over radishes in cakes, we're talking about something which is um, grated, put in, mixed with flour and other seasoning, dried seafood and bits of chopped up um, uh, air-dried ham and made into something that's pan-fried, which in English is generally referred to as a turnip cake. Um, but um, but it's made from daikon radishes. Um, I do know, I mean, my sister-in-law actually does make them with turnips as well, but um, it's more common for them to be made with these long white radishes, which have no real, you know, they're nothing like the tiny little red uh, radishes that are kind of almost little ball-like shaped radishes that you have in a salad, nothing like that. So, um, but these farmers grew a crop of these each and they got them all together and they sold, they managed to um, get a restaurant involved and then they were involved also in sharing their profits in a fair way so that everyone kind of who contributed made a decent percentage from this uh, project. And they sold out in pre-orders around different shops and restaurants in Hong Kong. So it was a success for a small um, for a small project, but the writer of this opinion piece in the Hong Kong Free Press says, if these guys can get together as a collective and they're a small bunch of organic farmers who, I mean, they're in competition, but they also work together for the cause of having small-scale organic farming in Hong Kong. And as we get most, he, he goes on, this columnist, to say that as we get most of our produce, as of course we all know, from outside of Hong Kong, 90% of fresh meat um, and eggs and vegetables are all, of course, imported because we don't grow much. We don't have livestock farms to speak of in Hong Kong. Really, there are some tiny, tiny ones, but nothing that really counts much. Most of it is uh, imported from mainland China and the rest from, in smaller percentages from uh, other parts of the world. So um, the question is, um, shouldn't we do more to support the organic farmers to come up with um, uh, sort of um, transparent ingredients that aren't having a massive carbon footprint. This is all stuff I know we've talked about before and you probably have with other guests too on environmental um, issues. And we talked about it decades ago when we used to have uh, a, a green program, didn't we? Uh, Greener Paths about the, the cost of, uh, of, of importing uh, ingredients all the time. But um, he, he's basically arguing or saying that he thinks the time has come to think in terms of sustainability rather than affordability. That's his argument. It's a very interesting column, and uh, anyone who's interested in seeing more of it can go to Hong Kong Free Press and read it rather than me going to more detail on it. But my feeling at the end of it was that um, apart from making a switch as a mindset, it's probably not the best time to think about um, you know, asking people to pay so much more for ingredients. It's a really difficult one to balance in one's mind, I think. No disrespect to his utopian ideals, but after more than a year and a half of both unrest 
and COVID affected income, you know, from the, from the unrest and from COVID-19. People's incomes have been affected across the board and, um, and also people who aren't in big uh, salaries and perhaps have kids and other outgoings that are quite expensive probably can't really afford to vote with their dollar on the idealistic nature of this. Mm-hmm. So it's a very interesting reminder and it's, no, it's not new except that it was published two days ago but it's but it's not something which um, uh, which is easily done. I think. Absolutely. What's your opinion? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think one of my, the first, very first features that I ever did when I first joined RTHK was speaking to Richard Fielding from HKU, and it was about organic food. Um, and I yeah. think the debate is still here that I think people would would choose to have organic food if it wasn't so expensive. And that's, you know, that's always been the trouble. um, Yeah, it's It's always been the trouble um, in every place in the world that, that, um, you know, that that, that people um, uh, who aren't on good salaries can't really afford it. And and I think now to mention it again, of course it was inspired by something that really did happen and was launched by organic farmers at um, Lunar New Year, which is, you know, um, at the beginning of the Lunar New Year, so that was very recently. Um, but um, but yeah, it's still it's it's probably never been a more sensitive time for for spending the extra on things like that, though, has it? Yeah, and so, of course um, the other side is also you mm. know food security. Um, we've spoken to Daisy Tam from Baptist U about this, and it's good to encourage people to sort of you know grow food locally in Hong Kong because you know we've got access to food but with with things like panic buying or or, you know with the pandemic it really creates an issue where some food may not be able to come to Hong Kong it becomes more expensive Um, so and it places Hong Kong in a really sort of vulnerable position we are ranked pretty uh, high up there or really rather low with 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 countries like you know Pakistan Bangladesh um, India you know in terms of self-sufficiency on on, yeah food security we we face a big problem you know even Singapore we we love being Hong Kong loves to be uh, compared with Singapore Singapore is doing much much better in terms of you know being able to grow their own food and having access to that so it's really something that Mm -hmm. Hong Kong should really look into but we, we never think about that because there is such availability of food and and access, uh, you know, we can just go to a shop and, and buy it, but you yeah. know, it stops beyond and there, but we don't know where it comes from because it's travelled millions of, that's true. you know, thousands it, of miles. It, it, it's travelled it's traveled for a long way, and, um, and that means more packaging as well as uh, carbon footprint from either, you know, air or long-haul road fuel. Um, and there's always a certain amount of spoilage, which means that some of the vegetables and fruit that are brought all that way with all that mm. petrol and packing... Um, have to be thrown away, and so it's. Um, but but there's but there's. I mean, there isn't a way around it, and most of it does. The ninety percent or so comes from from uh, mainland China across the border, and if that's in southern China, at least we don't have um, the bulk of produce coming in with a with a gross carbon footprint. But any 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 reduction that could happen by doing things locally, if it was possible, would of course be great. Can't mm. argue with that columnist John Glennis, who's an academic, uh, who put in that column. If you want to see it in full, go to. Uh, um, the uh, Hong Kong Free Press. Very interesting. Thank you. Move, yeah, yeah. Moving on to another topic um, in um, in global um, in the global arena of food and drink. Um, I came across something um, a report in the UK. This is the second picture that I sent Noreen, which is uh, uh, some WhatsApp messages. Something that looks a little bit like a, I don't know a shepherd's pie or some other kind of potato topped bake in a uh, in a in an oven proof dish that's being pulled out of an oven 
with uh, some messages beneath on social media of people saying, thank you for this lovely uh, pie, it was so delicious. And what this is about is um, that in the UK, uh, home food selling is on the rise and it's in the spotlight. Last week, food safety watchdog called uh, Food Standards Agency announced that the volume of from-home food selling uh, and its rise is really concerning. So I read a report on the BBC about this. And um, uh, it, one of the real concerns is, of course, that people have been producing this in uh, increasing numbers during the lockdown because of uh, the pandemic of COVID-19. So there couldn't be a riskier time, really, in terms of hygiene for people to be taking a gamble um, on, uh, on buying from people that they don't know. Um, so a lot of the homemade meal sellers are selling it through social media, bypassing hygiene inspection that would normally be part of the system for a new restaurant, let's say, or takeaway establishment. There so, is also um, a rise in that in Hong Kong as well. There are a lot of IG shops, a lot of Instagram shops that sell um, mm -hmm. donuts, for example. Um, and, and a lot of them are um, uh, air, air crews, so air hostesses who have lost their oh. job because of pandemic. I've seen yeah. heaps of them on, on Instagram. And I saw actually on this topic um, on Hong Kong mums, which is an interesting yeah. place to, to find stories sometimes. Mm. Um, somebody yeah. said, I really miss having donuts, uh, Krispy Kreme donuts. Where can I find something similar? And there were just a, yeah. a bunch of comments uh, in that thread just saying, have you tried this Instagram shop? You know, and, and it's exactly that, you know, people just sort of making their own uh, home-baked mm. goods and selling them. But yeah, there is well, that question of um, I mean, food safety standard gonna, or the legality what, what of it. About, I'm not sure. Yeah, well, before before COVID then, Noreen, have you ever tried anything from um, uh, social media sellers yourself? Uh, you know, before COVID was a concern uh, in Hong Kong. Yes, um, I didn't order them, but um, <laughs> Ali uh, ordered some yeah. lactation cookies, of all things. Um, um, Does that mean that they would help you to lactate or, the, or they are... Yeah, that's uh, right. It's a thing. It's a thing. You can order lactation cookies in Hong Kong. Oh, it's a thing. I haven't um, heard of that. Um, okay. yeah. <laughs> but I think they're just regular cookies, to be honest. They're just really delicious um, chocolate chip cookies. So, yeah, I don't know if it helped the cause, but it's... <laughs> <laughs> Masquerading as a help for lactation. <laughs> exactly. Eating. Right. But, yeah. Right. But, um, yeah. It, yeah, I have tried it. I wasn't too concerned about the... I just no. think it's like going to no. somebody's home and, and having a meal there, I suppose. It is, it is except, except I suppose the difference is that you don't know the person. I mean, I, I've bought... I have bought from a few different people who, who before COVID, who have made things and advertised them on social media but out of interest. I wasn't too concerned. I mean, it seems like I looked at at uh, pictures and the fact that they've been around for a few years and if they've been around for a few years it can't have gone that dramatically wrong i mean that's not that's not a great yardstick because um you know food poisoning or 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 some other concern could happen at any time couldn't it yeah. but um but um during during covid when there was a downturn i did try one last year uh one only in the last sort of 12 to 15 months which was homemade indonesian style tempeh do you know tempeh? Which that, is like a, that sheet of to tofu sheet type thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's made from fermented bean curd, from uh, soybeans rather. And it's, um, yeah, it's like a protein cake that you slice up and you can either pan fry it or steam it and add it to, uh, to other dishes or have it on its own, seasoned. It's, um, so, yeah, but uh, that's the one and only in the last, say, 15 months. I have a long COVID has been going on here, 14, 15 months. 
So, um, but but back to the UK story. Um, other experts were worried um, too about um, the amount of businesses. It seems like so many of them are popping up all over the place. Um, Andrew, even... we're going to have to break for the news, I'm afraid. So. Maybe, okay. Um, did sure. you, maybe we'll have to continue this next week, and I'm sure you've got other stories for, for this week's Tuesday that we can continue for next week's Tuesday. Uh, meanwhile, <laughs> thank you so much for your time this afternoon, and that's Andrew Dambina, our Tuesday food and drinks reporter.